Hey, listeners, Dan Harris here, host of the 10% Happier Podcast. Imagine all your audio entertainment available in just one place. That's what the Audible app is all about. With Audible, you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. Audible has an incredible selection of wellness titles and originals like The Light Podcast by Michelle Obama, Work It Out by Mel Robbins, and Confidence Gap by Russ Harris. Membership includes access to Audible Originals, podcasts, and tons of audiobooks that you can download or stream as much as you want. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title per month from an ever-growing catalog of titles to keep. The Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere, whether you're traveling, working out, doing chores, wherever your day takes you. New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Harris or text Harris to 500-500. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Mari has grown her two fitness and nutrition brands. Co-founder of Bloom Nutrition. Forbes 30 under 30 list. A successful entrepreneur. Someone who has lost 90 pounds. Today's guest is Mari Llewellyn. Mari Llewellyn. My friend Mari. Welcome to the Pursuit of Wellness. What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Pursuit of Wellness and welcome to part two with Paul Saladino. This episode caused quite the uproar. You guys are absolutely loving it, but it definitely caused some controversy. So if you haven't gone to part one, I highly recommend you do. We covered all the bases in terms of animal-based living, why meat is so beneficial and why plants are toxic. In part two, we cover everything we didn't talk about, like fruit, the right fruit to eat, when and why, seed oils, why they are so harmful and how much we're eating on average every single day, how to avoid them in public, how to order at restaurants, what to buy at grocery stores, the oils we should be cooking in in our homes. And it's not what you would think. Why having elevated LDL cholesterol isn't actually as harmful as we think and why it's a myth and what Paul thinks about Bloom Greens. Everyone was asking and he did answer. So Keep listening to find out, guys. And I believe we have a discount code for you in the description. So check that out. And as usual, it helps me out so, so much when you subscribe to the show and leave a review. Hope you guys enjoy part two. Talk to you soon. On the topic of fruit, I have some questions for you because yeah. while experimenting with this diet, there's a couple things I'm unsure about. For example, tomatoes, avocados plantains i know you're very particular with fruits so what fruits are okay is there a particular season you'll eat them in how do you go about that yeah that's a great question so when we think about fruit just to help people understand the framework fruit is the part of a plant that plants want us to eat if we can anthropomorphize we have them as mostly colorful they usually change from green to a color when they're ripe not always but often you know that when you go to the store and you see the, the green bell peppers, those are kind of unripe and they turn to red or orange when they ripen. Like their plants are giving us a signal, this is ripe. Mm-hmm. And we see that in those fruits, many times they w- plants will put defense chemicals, which decline as the fruit ripens. The plant is really saying like, wait, 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 it's not ready. Don't eat this. A green banana, different in terms of anti-nutrients and defense chemicals than a yellow banana. It's, and it makes sense, right? It's A green banana tastes like crap. And this new movement to like eat green bananas and green mangoes makes no sense. Like... We can talk about resistant starch and why I think that whole thing is misguided, but like a, a ripe mango tastes hundred times better than a green mango. Like you can't debate this. So plants are giving us a signal that they want us to eat the fruit. And this is kind of this synergy between animals, humans, and plants. Hey, eat this fruit. A mango seed is obviously too big to eat. And then the seed will end up somewhere else. It'll get moved around or you'll poop the seed out somewhere mm. else. 
Because plants want to be spread. Plants want to be spread. Or the plant is going to put so many seeds in something like a strawberry that you're not going to be able to destroy all of them in your mouth. This kind of thing, right? And so the idea is that, in general, fruit is clearly the least toxic part of plants. Relative or in contradistinction to things like leaves and stems and seeds and even roots. And those are the parts I, I think people should be most careful of. Leaves like spinach or kale, roots like white potatoes especially are problematic for people. But even within the family of fruits, there are some fruits from a family called nightshade, which traditionally have immunologic issues for people. So not even all fruits are probably that good for people. And we know this because there are not, some fruits in the wild are just poisonous to humans or you can't eat everything. And so tomatoes are one of those fruits because they're part of this nightshade family that also includes white potatoes, eggplant, goji berries are actually in the nightshade family. These tend to cause may cause autoimmune issues for some people. I think they cause autoimmune issues for me. Manifest differently in all people, whether it's acne or, for me, my low back just gets kind of tight. And I think, oh, that's weird. Like, why does my low back feel tight now? And this is probably because of lectins, something that's been in the nutritional zeitgeist for almost a decade now. They're carbohydrate-binding proteins in all foods, but plant lectins appear to be most immunogenic or more highly immunogenic for humans. And white potatoes, things like tomatoes, have more of these lectins, so it can cause issues. Tomatoes, if you remove the skin and the seeds, that gets rid of some lectins. But Isn't that what Italians do? Supposedly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, when you make the tomato sauce. But even with that, personally, my experience, which is just my N of one, is that even a tomato sauce that I made from no skin and no seeds seems to trigger my... Are you Italian? I am. I feel like Saladino is a very yeah. Italian Yeah, name. my father's from Sicily. Hmm. Yeah. But you still don't react well to tomatoes. I don't. Interesting. So kind of in my head was like maybe ancestrally someone from that region would be be okay with tomatoes. I also have genetics from my mom, German and Irish, and it, it's so complicated at that level. Yeah, I'm from the UK and I feel like tomatoes probably aren't the best for me. Maybe not, but you could include them or exclude them and see and do that kind of intentionally and follow the signal. What specific fruits do you consume? So in Costa Rica, I'm doing a lot of tropical fruit because it's there. And, it, and the nice thing about being in Costa Rica is I have a very clear signal to what's in season because I just get my fruit at a farmer's market. Mm. We don't import a lot of fruit in Costa Rica. And when I'm in the grocery store, which I rarely go to, I just go to farmer's markets for my fruit because I like the community aspect of it. You can see, oh, there's blueberries. And I'm thinking, there's no blueberries in Costa Rica. <laughs> like, first of all, they're sprayed with a ton of pesticides or, oh, there's grapes. There's no grapes in Costa Rica that I'm aware of. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone listening. But you can tell there's not a lot of apples in Costa Rica. So there are some oranges. Obviously, there's banana, mango, guanabana, which is a special type of fruit in Costa Rica. There's things like mame, uh, whatever, mamoncinos, which are like rambutans. Uh, kind of like lychees, all kinds of tropical fruit that people may not have here. So when I'm in the States, I like to eat what's seasonal here. So right now I'm, it's actually enjoyable to be in Los Angeles because I love cherries. And then peaches are in season and apricots are in season and, you know, oranges are kind of going out of season and bananas are coming from another part of the world. So I think there's probably some wisdom to eating more locally and eating what's in season. It's just that when you go to a grocery store, it, you need to have a little more awareness of what is from the actual region-ish where you are. I imagine in the Central Valley, they're growing cherries in California and this kind of thing. But you asked about avocados earlier too. So avocados are a fruit. They're probably fine for most people. Plantains are, you know, they're probably fine. Plantains are a little more fibrous and I think they're better cooked. Obviously, most people are going to cook the plantains anyway. And if someone has oxalate issues, plantains have a moderate amount of oxalates. It's one mm -hmm. of the fruits that has more oxalates. Kiwis also have a significant amount of oxalates, usually around the seeds that are protecting the seeds. And 
bananas and plantains are interesting because there's lots of little seeds in there that we don't see right. because of the way we've hybridized them. I'm going to jump to seed oils if Let's that's okay. It. I reposted one of your videos the other day mm -hmm. in regards to switching from olive oil, avocado oil to beef tallow yeah. and ghee or butter, which I actually had done already because my naturopath recommended it. Great. And I feel great. I think it tastes great. Me reposting that caused an uproar. Like Why? I got phone calls from my husband's mom, from Fee's mom, <laughs> oh from no, seriously, people freaked out. They're like, oh my god, what do you mean? I thought avocado oil was great. So everyone's freaking out because I just managed to convince my husband's mom to get rid of the margarine, oh my and she god. switched to olive oil, and I was like very happy with that. And now she's like, what do you mean I have to switch again? Can you tell us? Yeah why it's so important to switch. What was wrong with that, with cooking an olive oil and avocado oil? So the first thing to say is that avocado and olive are better than seed oils. Mm -hmm. They're from a fruit. So they're fruit oils because you know to make olive oil, and I was just in Greece, so it's like the, the home of olive oil. You take the olives and you just press them. There's no refining, bleaching, deodorization. There's a great video on YouTube of how they make canola oil, which is rapeseed oil. I've seen it. It's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. I actually went to a full course on how canola oil is made. What? Oh yeah, I went to a course okay. and I left being like, disgusted and I made like a PSA on my social everywhere. This was three years ago because it looks like tar. It's I like need, black. I need to go to that course. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. That's great. Okay, fantastic, I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna go to that course yeah. and like do some combat journalism or something. <laughs> uh, they're not even going to know I'm there. I'm going to put a mustache on and like sneak into the canola oil. Paul Saladino. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone. All the seed oil companies are, are going to find out in this video that I'm coming to your course and I'm going to sabotage you. <laughs> but so seed oils are from the seed of a plant, whether it's a grape seed or a sunflower seed or a soybean, which is a seed or a corn grain, which is seeds So corn, canola, sunflower, safflower, soybean, grape seed oils. And these oils are much higher in linoleic acid. Then animal fats and then the fruit oils. So olive oil, avocado oil, better than seed oils. And I'm making that distinction in terms of number one, the way that they're produced and the amount of linoleic acid in the oil. So the problem with the seed oils, just to make sure people understand this, is that the refining, the bleaching, the deodorization creates oxidation in the oils and breaks down the oil and creates a lot of problems with the oil. And there are residues from the production of the oil in the oil. They're an industrial byproduct, essentially, originally used in the late 1800s, early 1900s as machine lubricants. They're not really meant for human consumption, but I think it was Procter & Gamble in 1911 made Crisco and figured out they could sell people this garbage. And we've probably gone down a really negative path since then. So seed oils versus fruit oils versus animal fat. Animal fat has a significantly lower amount of linoleic acid than any of those. 2%, 1% to 2% linoleic acid in animal fats. The animal fats from ruminants being tallow, ghee, and butter, much lower linoleic acid, 2%, 1%. Olive oil, avocado oil, 10 to 15, up to 20% linoleic acid. Canola oil, 25, soybean oil, 45, grapeseed oil, 55% linoleic acid. So if we believe that this 18 carbon omega-6 polyunsaturated fat linoleic acid is a problem for humans, then we want to limit it. And that's, I believe that to be true. And that's kind of the paradigm with seed oils. So olive oil and avocado less. But the problem with olive and avocado is that they are number one, they still have a significant amount of linoleic acid. And number two, they're such a big business that they're, they're often fake. There's a recent study, which is almost an expose. I mean, I think like 60, 70% of the avocado oil was tainted or oxidized. Tainted with what? Tainted with seed oils. Oh, wow. To like fill it up. Mm-hmm. You guys know I've been really focused on my stress and nervous system lately. Everything I can do to have a more calm life and really 
soothe the nervous system i am all for and i think that's so important especially in today's society with the phone with all the noise we really need to learn how to self-regulate and that's where i found apollo neuro i recently had the founder dr dave rabin on the show and we learned so much about touch therapy the apollo neuro is a wearable device developed by neuroscientists and physicians for better sleep more energy, recovery, and focus. It's a wearable that will give you more energy to power through your day and sleep better at night. It's unlike any other wearable fitness or health devices because it doesn't just track your health biometrics. It actively improves your health by strengthening your nervous system. All you have to do is wear it and feel the vibes. You can choose how you want to wear your Apollo Neuro. You can either wear it on your wrist, your ankle, on a clip, attached to your shirt collar, a bra strap, or a waistband. It's really like a hug for your nervous system that helps you be calmer and a more mindful version of yourself. I always say the tool of touch is so grounding. If you're working on DBT or mindfulness skills, grounding yourself in the moment can be so, so powerful. The science behind the technology and results are the real deal. Apollo was created by neuroscientists and physicians and has successfully completed six clinical trials. Apollo neuro wearers have experienced 40% less stress and feelings of anxiety, 19% more time in deep sleep, 11% increase in heart rate variability, and up to 25% more focus and concentration. So I really think this is worth checking out. You can save $40 on an Apollo today by visiting apolloneuro.com slash pursuit or use code pursuit at checkout. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process because balance is key and the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So olive oil has to be in a dark glass bottle and cold pressed and extra virgin. And organic. And organic. And that's still okay to use on a, on a salad, even though I know you're anti-salad. Never like if you heat were gonna, it. If you're going to use it raw, it's okay. Never heat it. Okay. Yes. Never heat it. Yeah. And what's happening to our bodies when we intake seed oil? So this is interesting. We accumulate it and we specifically accumulate that linoleic acid. The human body can interconvert saturated fats and monounsaturated fats. A saturated fat is a chain of carbons that with no double bonds between the carbons. There's a molecule on the end. There's a few uh, atoms on the end that are not just carbons, but essentially it's a chain of carbons. A monounsaturated fat has one double bond in the whole chain, and these are 18, 16, 20 carbon chains. And polyunsaturated fats have multiple double bonds. And the omega designation says, where is the first double bond from the end of the molecule? So omega-3 means the first double bond is three carbons from the end. Omega-6 means the first double bond is six carbons from the end. That's just what omega-3 versus omega-6 means. It's nomenclature for fatty acids. So omega-6 fatty acids appear to be very problematic for humans because they have multiple double bonds. Omega-3s are also very unstable, but Omega-6 are what are most pervasive in the supply chain, in the food supply, because of these processed oils. So historically, evolutionarily, for our 500,000 years as homo sapiens, we never had access to large sources of linoleic acid. You could eat a few nuts maybe if you were starving, but there are a lot of work to get them. And do you have any idea, it was really interesting for me to do the research, how much corn is needed to make 
five tablespoons of corn oil, which is the equivalent of the average consumer's consumption every day in the United States. So if you look at seed oils, the average American eats five to seven tablespoons of seed oils a day. So how much corn would someone have to eat to get five tablespoons of corn oil? How many cobs? 60 to 90. Cobs. 60 to 90 cobs in three tablespoons. Five. Three to five, yeah. That's insane. So we'd never get this, right? You would never get that much linoleic acid. You can do the same calculation with soybeans. You can do the same calculation with grape seeds. You can do the same calculation with canola or sunflower. I mean, it's, I think it's two to three, it's like two plus pounds of sunflower seeds to get five tablespoons of sunflower. Oh my God, I'm so right? triggered right now. <laughs> I was already anti-seed oils, and now I'm just terrified. We would never have gotten this. We threw Chipotle under the bus. Maybe three tablespoons of rice Do these businesses oil. just hate you, by the way? I mean, <laughs> I've had people warn me about these things. I'm sure they hate me. But interestingly, Chipotle's awakening and perhaps shifting their oil, which is mm. interesting. Yeah, we can talk about that. I don't know if that had anything to do with me going in there, but they kicked us out when we were filming, which is always the best part. They're like, you can't film in here. So Chipotle uses rice bran oil, and they use about three tablespoons in one serving of a bowl or a burrito. So to get three tablespoons of rice bran oil, you would have to eat something like two pounds of brown rice, three pounds of rice with the bran, three, like two pounds of what the heck? Like you'd never do that. The point is it's an evolutionarily inconsistent amount of linoleic acid. When it's 1% in tallow and then it's 55% in grapeseed oil. So if you look at the amount of linoleic acid in human adipose tissue in our fat, it's gone up steadily in the last 50 to 70 years since we've been measuring it. An adipose tissue is really the only reliable indicator because we store linoleic acid. So your original question is, why is linoleic acid bad? Because we store it. Because it accumulates in our cells and our membranes and in our skin, which is really important for anyone that is in the sun, men or women. And that's a problem because we can't get rid of it easily. If you or anyone listening to this stops eating seed oils today, it takes two years to completely turn over, based on the best pharmacokinetic studies we have of cell membranes and adipose tissue depots, it takes two years to turn over all that and go back to whatever level you're eating. That was my next question. How long is it in the system? Essentially two years. This is why I'm so intense. I'm speaking to everyone who hangs out with me. Why I'm so intense about asking what's in the things I order, yes. because I know how long it's going to be in my system. We were just out for a birthday dinner for my lovely assistant Fee at a steakhouse and everyone ordered their steaks. And I said, may I ask what this steak is cooked in? And the waiter told me, I was like, is it cooked in butter? That was my request. And he was like, I'll go check with the chef. Amazing. Comes back and tells me that the chef said it's cooked at such a high heat that it has to be cooked in vegetable oil. What? And he's able to finish it off with butter. And I said, first of all, you're wrong. I didn't say that. I said that in my head. I'm too, I'm too polite to say that out loud. I would have brought my own tallow. I would have preferred to have brought my own tallow and said, please make it in this. Do you want to throw the restaurant under the bus? And I know a lot of chefs prefer corn-fed meat because it tastes better and they prefer that. vegetable oil. But it's to me, it's just not worth it to have that one meal and have that be in my system for two years. What was the name of the restaurant on Abbott Kinney that we went to? A lot of the seed oil stuff gets flagged. Instagram doesn't like it. Wow. Greenleaf. It was Greenleaf. Oh, Greenleaf's full of seed oils. They cook their steaks in canola oil. I'm sorry, Greenleaf. I love you guys, but you got to stop cooking in seed oils. You got to cook in tallow and you'll get a million. It would be a fantastic restaurant if they just yeah. removed the seed oils. But most places I go to with steaks, they do not cook in seed oils. So the meat on ocean doesn't use seed oils. I've gone all over LA asking this because I go out to dinner sometimes and I don't want to have the things. I went to Boa. I don't think they cook in seed oils in the steaks because I'm not paying 
$80 for a steak. It's marked up like crazy and haven't cooked in seed oils. Bug for it. everyone around the country listening, whether they live in Kansas, Florida, LA, what's the best way to avoid seed oils when you eat out or when you're traveling? My friend has an app called Seed Oil Scout. I and have it. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You know about it. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. We actually went and I met the guy that built this. No affiliation, no financial uh, connection with him at all. Just a really great guy. And I went to Hearth, a restaurant in, in New York City that's very forward thinking with regard to this. It's like ways. It's like this crowdfunding, crowdsourcing of no seed oils. But you can just ask too. Like get, be militant and yeah. do guerrilla warfare in, in restaurants. Because if enough people ask at restaurants, then restaurant owners are going to wise up. And it's not... Like the restaurant doesn't, a lot of them will just flame boil or they'll cook the, the steaks on a grill. You don't have to do much. And if they're going to cook it on a flat top, just put tallow on the flat top and you're great. But if a restaurant says they cook in tallow, you have to be careful and say, is it just tallow? Yeah. Because like I've been to some places, we went to Smashburger and they said they cooked the fries in tallow. And it was, I was like, oh, this is great tallow fries. I'm not a fan of potatoes, but if you wanted to eat fries, fries cooked in tallow would be great. And some amazing person in my audience actually emailed their PR department and said, actually, it's a mixture of canola and tallow. Kind of defeats the whole purpose. It does defeat the whole purpose. It, it sounds better if they say tallow for marketing. You know, McDonald's used to cook their French fries in tallow. No. Oh, yes, I did know that. Until 1990. Is it because, like, is tallow more expensive now? It's much more expensive. Okay. It's, it's become kind of like a fancy health food. It's it's becoming a fancy health food, and you have to grow a cow to make tallow, and there's fields of rapeseeds in Canada. So canola is Canadian oil low acid. That's an acronym. There's no canola plant. It's just a Canadian sort of psyop in my opinion, to get rid of all the rape seeds, which they can grow in Canada. And there's also great evidence that all of these rape plants, these Canadian oil low acid, these canola plants are really destroying bee populations in Canada and around the world because of the way that they're spraying them with pesticides and moving the bees out of the areas. So it's a big issue. Like, wow. Seed oils are problematic at every, le- every level. So I'll just finish the story about seed oils. Linoleic acid accumulates in membranes. And then because it's a polyunsaturated fat, I mean, this is basic organic chemistry that is much less stable. It oxidizes way more quickly and it causes the membranes to have to shift their fluidity. They need to do different things to manage the sort of fluidity of the membrane. And then it just causes membranes to break down more easily and more quickly over time. So acutely, seed oils don't cause inflammation, but in the long term, they cause lots of problems for humans because of this membrane structure. So every cell in your body has a membrane. And your mitochondria, which are little power factories inside the cells, have membranes. And all those membranes get full of linoleic acid. And they're always recycling and turning over, but it takes two years to get out of your system. And so it causes problems at the mitochondrial level, causes problems at the cellular signaling level, causes problems at the membrane level. And I think that there's good evidence now to say that So we know basically every piece of the equation. We know that if you reduce the amount of linoleic acid in your body, that reduces basically bioactive metabolites of linoleic acid associated with inflammation, things like 4-HNE, they have these fancy names. And we know that if you have more linoleic acid, there's more linoleic acid in your membranes and you get more of these things in your body over time. So it's a real problematic thing. But I'll tell you this, because people are going to respond to this. The reason the Western medical system likes seed oils is because they lower LDL. They lower cholesterol. Western doctors are a fan of seed oils. Yes, you can find it on Harvard websites. I mean, we were just, when we were in Greece, we were looking at the Harvard Mediterranean Diet Pyramid. On the Harvard Mediterranean Diet Pyramid, in a paper published by Walter Willett, it says, choose vegetable oils, canola. They also say olive, which is great if it's organic and all the things we talked about, but probably not as the only oil. But they say, choose canola oil, choose vegetable oils over animal fats. That's Why on the Harvard. Why does this divide happen? Like at what point are doctors being told that that's a healthier option? Because we're using the wrong metrics, right? We have the wrong goalpost. If the goalpost is lower your LDL as much as possible, then it looks like canola is better for you. But if you realize that 
you there are great studies which show that if you lower the amount of LDL in your body, or at least in circulation with acid oil, you also increase the amount of oxidized LDL and, and LP little a, which is a marker for cardiovascular disease. LDL is this, essentially, there's a type of LDL called LP little a, which is highly associated with cardiovascular disease. The whole lipid conversation is very complex and nuanced. Yeah. But just suffice it to say at a high level that lowering LDL, I think is clearly not the best metric for cardiovascular disease. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen my soft launch for our new puppy. Guys, we have an eight-year-old mixed lab named Lulu. And we're adding to the family. We're getting a little boy puppy. And I can't wait to get him on the same food plan as Lulu. We've been using Farmer's Dog, I think, for like five years now. I am so picky when it comes to dog food. You guys know Greg and I are health obsessed. And I want Lulu eating the absolute best. And our new puppy eating the absolute best. I personally always found it so aggravating when I would see bags of dog food with like bright carrots and juicy steaks on the front. Then you would open the bag and it would be full of burnt, gross pellets. And I genuinely just felt bad giving that to my dog. I want her to enjoy her food, be healthy and live as long as she can. Plus, eating processed food for every meal is not healthy. We know that is the case for us. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making it an ultra processed food. I want to keep it fresh. I want to give Lulu real food. And that's what Farmer's Dog is. It's real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies, gently cooked in human grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Plus, it's personalized. You tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. It's convenient. It's delivered right to your door and it's pre-portioned. So Lulu gets half a pack in the morning, half a pack at night, and it has her name on it, which I absolutely love. I just have been obsessed with this brand for so long and I am honored to be working with them. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash wellness. Plus, you get free shipping. Just go to thefarmersdog.com slash wellness. When I come home from the office, all I want to do is sit down and eat dinner with Greg. And sometimes we simply don't have the time to cook a big meal. And that's where I found HelloFresh. You guys have heard me talk about HelloFresh before and Green Chef, which is actually owned by HelloFresh. Both are amazing options and so delicious. You've probably heard of HelloFresh. You get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. I love the fact that it's pre-portioned ingredients that help cut down on food waste with step-by-step instructions, making cooking a breeze and not a chore. I personally love the hearty steak and potato meal. We're steak obsessed. Plus, it comes with a balsamic cranberry pan sauce, which is so good. I feel like I'm a gourmet chef with this recipe. Plus, if you have any fitness goals, they have healthy features such as the calorie smart and protein smart lunch and dinner options, plus new vegan dinners. HelloFresh makes it easy to reach your goals with flavorful recipes that leave you feeling satisfied. It's tasty and convenient. Plus, they offer 40 recipes to choose from every week, so you'll never get bored. You can always try something new and some find new things that you love. Go to HelloFresh.com slash POW50 and use code POW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That's an amazing deal. Go to HelloFresh.com slash POW50 and use code POW50 for 50% off 
plus free shipping. You have super high LDL, correct? It used to be very high. It's actually not that high anymore. It's oh. funny. LDL fluctuates a lot. So the last time I checked my LDL, it was 160. I think I've even had one recently. There's 139 milligrams per deciliter, which is above the reference range. If I went to a doctor, most might recommend that I go on a statin. I'm 46 years old. I have a father with a history of heart disease. But what I think most doctors are missing is that my HDL is high, my triglycerides are low, my fasting insulin is low. So this myopic focus on LDL to me is so misguided. It's such a, it's a very poor predictor of cardiovascular disease. And again, I don't want to get too technical in the LDL discussion, but I think the evidence that LDL is directly injurious to the endothelium of human arteries is, is not there. It's just right. bullshit. And people will say ApoB. ApoB is just a fancy name for LDL and a few other particles in our circulation that are lipoproteins that contain the ApoB lipoprotein, chylomicrons, VLDL. But essentially, ApoB is talking about LDL as well. So I don't worry about an LDL in someone that is metabolically healthy. Okay. meaning a fasting insulin less than five micro IU per ml. How would you measure that? A continuous glucose monitor? Or? Oh, no, you can just get a blood test. Oh, Maybe okay. $25 for a fasting insulin check. So just to summarize everything you said. Everything. We Not everything. <laughs> just in terms of the cholesterol for everyone listening, we shouldn't be worried about high LDL. Because I think a lot of people, when you say you're eating an animal-based diet or you eat a lot of eggs or something... That's the first response is, what about your cholesterol? It's a very interesting question, and it's predicated on this notion that LDL is directly causing atherosclerosis, and I think that's false. Okay. And I think that there are other nuanced things to be aware of, your metabolic health, get a fasting insulin, all these kind of things. So I don't worry about LDL in someone that is metabolically healthy, and I don't think a food that might raise your LDL 20% is problematic if it also improves your metabolic health and your insulin sensitivity. Does that make sense? Yes. I'll just say this for people. So my point is really clear. My position is clear. I don't worry about people eating red meat. Even if it's a diabetic, I don't worry about them eating red meat because the nutrients in the red meat and that red meat is not making you more insulin resistant. The red meat is not worsening your diabetes. Right. Red meat is only helping your diabetes. And if you get rid of the seed oils, which I think are the major cause of your diabetes and maybe other garbage you're eating that are damaging your gut and increasing cortisol, I think you're putting yourself in the right direction. Greg and I order our meat from Force of Nature for the most them. part. Yeah. What would you recommend for people who maybe don't have access to an Irwan or a local farm? Mm -hmm. Where should they get high quality meat? Force of Nature is great. They do all the different animals. I know the guy who runs it personally. He's a friend of mine, Robbie Sansom. And they source from Rome Ranch, part of their meat, which is a farm in Texas. There's a great farm in Georgia, White Oak Pastures does good stuff. There's a farm outside of Austin called Shirttail Creek. If you just look online, there's all sorts of these regenerative farms popping up. And if people want to find raw milk, there's a website called realmilk.com, I believe. And that is actually a website. It's kind of like a Google map of where you can find raw milk in any city in the U.S., California is nice because raw milk is legal and it's sold in grocery stores. Here in LA, you can get it at Sprouts, you can get it at Rainbow Acres. What is it mm -hmm. called? Rainbow, Rainbow Acres. Acres, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you can get it at Erewhon. And But other places I go, like when I was in Arizona, I go to realmilk.com. I have to find the real the raw milk. Some states, it's illegal. I'm sorry, guys. You live in the wrong state. You should move. <laughs> but if you can't get raw milk where you are because it's illegal, raw cheese is illegal almost everywhere. Okay. Yeah. And how about organs? I was telling you off mic, I've been on my organ journey. Yeah. I swallow a chunk of frozen liver every morning. You said you already had it today. I had it today. I feel amazing. And I will say I was telling uh, my friends that when I swallow it, it hits my throat and I just taste blood. <laughs> it's disgusting. But 
the benefits just outweigh it for me. It feels, I just feel so much more energy and just, it's this feeling of being alive. It sounds dramatic, but. It's true. So what's interesting is I have a niece and a nephew, they're five and three. And what I've seen with kids is that if you give them liver early, they love it. It's like their favorite food. I've had friends and family or people that have contacted me on social media who give liver to their six month old. It's often a first food. It's a great first food. Again, sourcing matters. The quality of the sourcing is important. And if you give a child liver, they will kind of grow up with the taste and appreciate it. If you don't give a kid liver by the time they're two or three, they're just, they've had so many other things on their palate that are not like liver in any way, shape or form that it's going to be difficult and you have to undo it. I didn't like liver when I first tried it. I probably first had liver 10 years ago and I pretty much gagged. Right. And so it takes time and you can hide it in a smoothie I built a company called Heart and Soil, which makes desiccated organ capsules. And we're actually putting this desiccated organs in the smoothie I'm doing with Erewhon. No way. Yeah, yeah. It has the beef organs in the capsule. I'm really curious to see how people are going to react to this. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, come Friday. I'll come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I'm excited to see how people react to it too. But so there are ways to get organs. You know, with Heart and Soil, you can get organs in a desiccated capsule to start. And it's so funny is I was in, I was in San Diego and I met a woman there who said, I was at a rock gym and she just came up to me and said, uh, your stuff really helped me. I was a vegan. And the first thing I did was started taking the organ capsules from heart and soil to, to get the animal foods back in my diet. And that was really cool. And then she was able to kind of gradually incorporate the meat and stuff. So there are ways to get organs. But I feel like the heart and soil pills are probably a great first step for yes. people who can't mentally like even look at it. We have some really cool ones. So we have a, a capsule that's beef organs. So it's a bunch of the organs. But we have one for women that has ovaries and uterus and fallopian tubes. And that's kind of interesting. That one is called Her Package. We have one for men that has testicle in it. Wow. And that one is probably our I've best I've eaten seller. testicle with Liver King, actually. Really? Not to flex, but... <laughs> that's a pretty good flex. Are you guys friends? Yeah, we're good friends. Okay, so I would regret not asking. Obviously, we're at the Bloom office. Uh-huh. We sell green. <laughs> I think you know that. I'm not going to be offended. I just want to hear your take. So I think that, like I said, there are nutrients in plant foods, right? I don't know exactly what's in Bloom, my concern would be that some people are sensitive to certain leaves and that can be problematic, right? And that if you don't have a problem with it, great. Combining bloom with hardened soil could be a lot of nutrients, you know? Oh, I love that response. You know, combining bloom with the capsules from hardened soil, you get a lot of great nutrients or combining bloom with liver or meat. That's great. If you don't have a reaction to it, that's kind of how I feel about everything. Look, like vegetables are not public enemy number one, in my opinion. I think that for people who are struggling and are really dialed in, can't quite figure things out, then they they should look at vegetables and they should look at mushrooms and they should look at the nuance. But if you're really kicking ass and you're eating some kale every once in a while or you're eating some broccoli, it's fine. It's not the worst thing in the world. Seed oils are probably public enemy number one. But if I had to rank them, it would in my mind, it's like seed oils, processed food in general, which has a lot of fillers and carrageenan and gums and artificial colors, artificial sweeteners, artificial flavors, like the, the artificial colors. Like, and what I'm learning more and more is that processed food adds a lot of things to the food, a lot of things to the food that are problematic. It just results in a bunch of excipients or which are binders and things like this, like silicon dioxide, which we know triggers inflammation in the gut, or it just, you get things like hexane or you get things like heavy metals like occurring in the foods when you process it too much. That's the main issue for people. The gums, the seed oils, like the, pro- the the things that get added to processed food. Right. For a lot of people, it's possible to eat vegetables from time to time or moderate amounts and not have issues. Yeah. But what I want people to know is if you have issues and they're not being solved, then think about the vegetables and think about kale. Think about spinach, which is high in oxalates. But look, like if you want to, I think you can even ferment your vegetables and that makes them less problematic. 
So cabbage, for instance, that's a brassica. That's like in the same family as kale, which I'm not a huge fan of because it has a compound that inhibits iodine absorption level of thyroid. We know this from science. But if you ferment the cabbage and make sauerkraut, most of those are gone and you can get different flavor. I mean, people need variety and spice in their life. So Yeah. And the way I like to think of it also is kind of like a bridge to wellness. Yeah. When I started Bloom, it was because I was on the far end of the spectrum eating muffins every day, living a right. super unhealthy lifestyle. And I wanted something that would take me to that healthier lifestyle. And I think sometimes if you can have something that incorporates, you can incorporate every day and taste good, it just takes you to that next level where you can start learning more about your body. I, I know a lot of people that eat significant amounts of vegetables and they're super healthy. You know, think about how you cook them. Obviously think about organic and the pesticide residue on the vegetables. I think if I had to think about plant foods, vegetables is kind of this idea that it's, it's the non-fruit part of a plant. I think grains are probably the most problematic thing for humans. The grains being the oats, the the wheat, that kind of stuff. And then probably nuts and seeds are also problematic for humans. So if you were going to get something out, think about those first. And then you, the leaves are probably less problematic. And then the roots, some people have problems with white potatoes. Sweet potatoes, probably not the worst thing in the world for some people. But people react to all kinds of things. But people also react to eggs, in all fairness. Some people react to egg whites because of the albumin. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, it's not to say that animal foods are this some holy thing that doesn't cause problems for anyone. I've met people who react to beef. And I think okay, you need to eat lamb. It's just helping people navigate and understand that a lot of the foods we've been told are healthy, seed oils, things like this, and even vegetables are not great for all people. Greg and I get asked a ton of questions about finances. I didn't grow up being super financially savvy, but as I have grown in my business and my maturity, I've definitely gotten way more money smart. And that's where I found the finance app Ibotta. When you're picking up groceries and hot dogs for a summer barbecue or for a family dinner, you're already doing it. So why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? It gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You can either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get cash back. It's that easy. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code POW, P-O-W, when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code POW. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code POW, P-O-W. Average Ibotta users earn $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could even use the cash back for that flight you've been eyeing, the game you've been going to do, dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code POW, P-O-W, when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code POW. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code POW, P-O-W. I have been on a major journey switching out all of my products for non-toxic options, whether it's my skincare, my body care, my hair care, our cleaning products in our house. I think what we have to realize is the things we use on and around our bodies impact our inner health too. And that's where I found Primally Pure. They have been harnessing the power of natural ingredients in their complete line of non-toxic beauty products. Plus, this company is female founded, just like my company. So I have so much respect for that. They have products ranging from skin, body, baby, hair and home. 
My personal favorite is the Cult Following Natural Deodorant. What I love about this deodorant is that it actually works. I wear it all day. It smells amazing, but I know I'm not putting anything harmful under my arms. I'm obsessed with the lavender. Fee uses the blue tansy. It smells so good. They are handcrafted with real raw ingredients to optimize your results and overall health. Primally Pure exists to empower you not only to improve your skin, but lead a healthier and more fulfilled life. If you're on the fence about making the swap to non-toxic products, especially natural deodorant, check out their five-star reviews at primallypure.com from customers just like you. Once you're convinced, use code POW, P-O-W, for 15% off your Primally Pure purchase. That's www.primallypure.com slash POW. Use code POW, P-O-W, at checkout for 15% off your order. For someone who's listening who might be intimidated by an extreme lifestyle, like they're too intimidated to go full into carnivore, what is a key takeaway you hope they have from this conversation? I think that it's just that the first step in my mind is get rid of the processed foods. And that's been said so many times. I'm, I always struggle with how do you say that in a way that actually lands for someone? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's by describing the problems with the processed foods or what it does to them. Or, or I could just say something like, you know, I think getting rid of the processed foods will improve and potentially completely reverse so many of the chronic issues people have. And like even mental health issues get better when people improve the quality of their diet, depression, anxiety. That's autoimmune too. That's neuroinflammation. So the, the spectrum is broad and there's so much hope for people who suffer from so many things. And just getting rid of the processed foods means if you're just eating vegetables and fruit and meat, that's a great diet. That's a fantastic diet. Increase the quality of the foods in your diet. That's the first step. And you will eliminate the seed oils. People have to understand that it's those ingredients and the seed oils and these little things sneaking into the processed foods that are problematic for them. So I think that's kind of the high level. Like you don't have to get that extreme about it. You don't have to cut out all those things. You can, there's a lot of on-ramps. Start with seed oils, start with processed foods, go from there. Start with eating more meat, not fearing meat. Yep. Start with eating organs. Those three, th those four things alone will massively change someone's health and they'll be able to feel it. And I hope they'll get the feedback and think, wow, I do feel better. Even if it's a woman or a man who's fearing eating meat or bringing it back in their diet. You don't have to go full in. And there's the, the, the verbiage is a little complex for people, so I'll just clarify this. When I started doing this, I did carnivore, which was only meat and organs and fat for a year and a half. That actually didn't work well for me because of the electrolyte issues that came with ketosis. I've tried to talk about this term called animal-based, which is meant to be positioned in contradistinction to plant-based so that you have some plants in your diet, but it's mostly animal-based. That's what I think of as fruit and, you know, raw milk and maybe even a sweet potato or something. That's like a little more in that sort of middle ground. Hopefully there's something there that can uh, be an on-ramp to someone. I'll need to have you on for a part two because I have questions about keto as well, but I'll save that yeah, for yeah, next yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's time for the question we ask every guest. I started this podcast because I believe everyone's pursuit of wellness looks different. What does wellness mean to you? It means getting up after having slept really well and feeling good and feeling happy and excited to do things in the world, whether it's interact with nature, spend time with friends, uh, you know, do quote, work that brings value to people's lives. It's having the energy, the mental fortitude, the mental clarity, and the zeal and the enthusiasm to live life well and, and do things that I find valuable. Fantastic. I love that answer. Where can people find you and Heart and Soil online? So Heart and Soil is at heartandsoil.co. 
And I am at Paul Saladino, MD, like medical doctor everywhere on all the platforms. You used to be carnivore MD. I did. Why'd you let that go? So we rebranded it because I wanted to be not as dogmatic. Right. You know, I have good friends here who are the minimalists. You know the minimalists? Yeah. And they were saying, I think they thought that carnivore MD would turn people off. Right. It might scare people away before they get to know what you're actually talking about. Right. And that was why I wanted to just add clarification to when you were saying carnivore. Because I think when you say carnivore, probably your male audience goes, yeah, I want to be a carnivore. My 5%. And and the females go, I don't want to be a carnivore. Like, I don't want to be. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I really prefer this approach. And I think people will actually get to hear the full story and get the full picture. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. I really think it benefits women as well. I mean, so Heart and Soil is, a, is an amazing group of people now. I'm so glad. I'm so proud of what we've done. They're in Austin. They're outside of Austin in Dripping Springs. And they've been doing a lot of film projects. And they did a film called Nourished. It's on YouTube. So Hard and Soil has a YouTube channel. And it's all about sort of animal products and women's fertility. And it's incredible. There's a a midwife on there, Lindsay Milas. We have this scene in there where she looks at two different placentas. And one of them is from someone who's eating meat. And one of them is someone who's vegetarian. And it's the difference is really striking. Wow. And I hear this from midwives. And this isn't really my world. But I hear midwives say all the time that vegetarian placentas, especially vegan placentas, look like smokers' placentas. And I think this has got to hit women, you know, in the ovaries because, and men too, but especially women who want to conceive or have had kids, like that is very striking to me that animal foods shouldn't be feared. It's just, it's just a healthier human when you're eating animal foods. That's and, insane. Yeah. And so there's a documentary on that, uh, on uh, YouTube called Nourished from Heart and Soil. It's amazing. It What's really your demographic split, if you don't mind me asking? You know, it's changing, which is really encouraging. It used to be like 70% men. And I think my brand manager was just telling me it's like 60% men now. So we've- That's pretty so good. So it's like 60. So to have 40% women listening yeah. to me talk about meat and liver is incredible. Hmm. I think this will help as well. I hope so. Because we were talking about linoleic acid accumulating. Yeah. And I, I think your audience of women will appreciate the fact that one of the things I worry about most with linoleic acid and seed oils is it accumulating in the skin. And so this goes back to sun fearing, right? And you think about what is in some quote healthy sunscreens contain seed oils. Yep. So just like you don't want to eat a seed oil, you don't want to put a seed oil on your skin. Like sunflower seed oil. Like sunflower seed oil. I've seen that in a ton of products. Mm -hmm. And you can look at the ingredients of your face care products or your personal care products. And this is complex, but you can actually search the amount of linoleic acid in various oils. I'm actually building a skincare brand. So I was doing some research on this. I think it's argan oil is actually pretty high in linoleic acid. Wow. And that ends up in a lot of skincare. Carrot seed oil is very high in linoleic acid. Raspberry seed oil is very high in linoleic acid. A lot of times they're low on the list, but the goal is to create skincare with very little linoleic acid. Are you going to do beef tallow skincare? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah. Have you seen the clip of Paul rubbing beef tallow on his face? It's iconic. Yeah. I feel like that blew up for you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. People are people were shocked. Yeah, and it's amazing. Do you I was I was tempted. I'm just so scared. I'm so scared of messing my skin up. I get it. Like I don't think it will. It's not really comedogenic. Though. Let me try the raw dairy. Yeah, I'll get back to you, and then I'll try the beef. You tallow. can put it on your skin. You know, the beef tallow. Put yeah, it on, like your arm or something, yeah. or your shoulder. Hand moisturizer. Yeah, it's definitely moisturizing for your hands. I mean, we're gonna mix. It's not gonna be all tallow, but it's gonna be tallow based because we like the animal fats. Yeah. And probably a little bit of MCT oil in there too, but just for texture because you want it to absorb. Right. And that's tricky. But the thing is that don't put seed oils on your skin and realize that if you're eating seed oils, your skin is more susceptible to aging. Wow. 
Wow. So that's what I really want women to know because I know that women think about that. Some men think about that, but not as many. Like, so you think about this face and this whole body that you have. And if you're eating seed oils, you are feeling every cell membrane in your body, including your dermis and all of your epidermal, everything's facing the sun with seed oils. And that's a problem. And I think that, you know, it's funny because I was talking to Lauren and she has this book, you know, get the fuck out of the sun. And I was like, we have to talk about this, but we didn't have a full conversation. I think sun is valuable for humans in moderate doses. And I don't want people to fear the sun right. because of vitamin D and the nitric oxide and the endorphins. There are things produced in the sun that are not produced when you take a vitamin D capsule. And the light and the circadian rhythms, we need sun on our face, on our eyes and our skin, all these things. And I don't want women to fear that. And I think the way to make your skin resilient and healthy for as long as possible is to eat a very low linoleic acid diet because you think it's in every summer in your body. Then, Love that. Yeah, that's an important Thank piece. you for adding that. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Go comment on my last Instagram at Mari Llewellyn with the guest you want to see next. I'll be picking one person from the comments to send our bloom greens to. Make sure you hit follow so you never miss my weekly episodes. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to share and leave a review. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.